Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about Private Practice Season 4, Episode 4. Episode 4, A Better Place to Be, was written by Barbie Kleeman and directed by Tom Verica. It aired on October 14th, 2010. Enjoy! Today, we have a very special guest host on the pod. You know her as hashtag science with Sarah. Please welcome chemist, forensic toxicologist, PhD candidate, animal rescuer, ice cream expert, an incredible care package maker, my friend and yours. She has the same initials as I do. This is Sarah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so to start off, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, so Sam obviously covered uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I'm a former forensic toxicologist, um, currently back in school right now for my PhD in pharmacology and toxicology. I take care of a lot of creatures. <laughs> I have a dog, a hedgehog, an axolotl, three frogs, and right now I'm fostering four kittens um, in my tiny, tiny apartment in Arizona. Yes! <laughs> um, I am also disabled, uh, physically disabled, have a lot of chronic illness conditions, and so I do a lot of uh, disability advocacy work, as well as the science that I do and talk about constantly. Yes. So <laughs> since um, since we're going to be getting into it a little bit in the episode, do you want to talk a little bit about your disability? Yeah. So basically all of my conditions stem from one underlying condition. It's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS. Um, if you are a like Grey's Anatomy Universe type person, this this condition's actually been covered on Grey's. Uh, I think it's season thirteen. EDS is a genetic condition that affects connective tissue. Connective tissue is in your whole body. Um, it's in every single system in your body. It, it's the glue that holds everything together. Um, people with EDS have faulty connective tissue, and so it can result in issues with every single system in your body, which I have. So I have easily more than 20 chronic conditions that I manage on a daily basis. Uh, lots of doctors, lots of surgeries, lots of drugs. Uh, so one of the conditions that we're going to talk about today in, a, in today's episode is actually one that happens pretty commonly in people with EDS. And so I'll explain it a little bit better when we get there. Yes. And um, if anyone is a Drag Race fan, this is the same condition that Evie Oddly has as well. So that's another way that it's been brought into the public consciousness. Yeah. Another um, kind of famer, famous person, actress is Jamila Jamil. Also oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. She played Tahini on The Good Place. Yes, and I just listened to a really good podcast episode with her on it, one that Margot recommended from Brett Goldstein. Oh. Um, you love that one too? I love well, I love her podcast. Oh, it's so good. It's um, What I Weigh, oh right? Or I Weigh? I Weigh, yes, yes. that's it. Yeah, yes. but it's she so good. She was on uh, Brett Goldstein's podcast, Films to be Buried With, that I'm – now I love there oh, are yeah, two. Oh, yeah, you talked about this before. Yeah, you and Margot talked about it. Yeah, okay. Margot suggested it. So anytime someone suggests a podcast, I'm like, hmm, if someone I care about likes this so much, I should do it. I should like watch it, just like I did with you and Buffy, and now I'm obsessed with it as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she has two episodes on films to be buried with. And one, because it's like the first one, as Margot said, it's like, you have died. How have you died? What are you bringing with you? Stuff like that. And the second one is the resurrection. 
So it's okay. like, oh no, you've died again. So the second one especially is really <laughs> cute watching Brett Goldstein like weave around the fact that like this person has already died, but we're going to ask more questions about their death. Yeah, that's cute. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So how did you come to Grey's in private practice? Like what made you become interested in the Grey's universe? So I came upon it uh, because of my roommate. And and I feel like I hear this from so many people. This is the episode they started watching. But mine was not because like I'm interested. It was because my roommate watched Grey's. And she wanted me to record it for her. Uh, so it's the bomb episode of Grey's yeah. Anatomy. Um, and she was going to the Super Bowl because she was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. It's the same year that the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. And so she was like, can you record this show for me on VHS, by the way? Yep. So you were watching when I was watching. Because, <laughs> and it was our freshman year of college. Uh, and so I recorded it for her. And then since I was obviously recording it on VHS, I had to watch it while I recorded it. And I got into it. And so I started watching from that episode on. Haven't missed one. Still watch the current seasons um <laughs> because i cannot help it um, yeah you have to keep up with your friends right and then as far as private practice um when it initially spun off like i watched i want to say the first few episodes um but then after that i had a hard time keeping up with it i think mostly because i was in college and i was busy taking yeah. way too many classes um so it wasn't until it concluded that i came back and finally like watched the whole thing from beginning to end and have watched it more than a few times from beginning to end at this point. It's not necessarily one of my go-to comfort shows, but but it's on the list. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that bomb episode so well airing because I – I'm originally from Pittsburgh, as you know, and so I feel yeah. like our listeners know. Um, so I watched starting at the beginning of season two, as I've talked about, and this was not the beginning of season two, but because the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, I was allowed to stay up and watch it later, and then I watched the bomb episode after, and then the next day, everybody was talking about it because in Pittsburgh, everybody watched it, and I was like, finally, they understand. <laughs> cute. That's cute. Yes. So how much – you've watched all of them, as you just said. Yes. So my question is usually how much of each have you watched, but I would say that you're engrossed in the universe. I've watched all of Grey's, all of Private Practice, all of Scandal, all of How to Get Away with Murder. I would say the only one that I haven't watched any of is Station 19, and that's mostly because I just refuse to because it feels like <laughs> they're trying to make me do being, it. Yeah, being forced on us from all of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got me with that, I have to say. Yeah. Because yeah. at the beginning, I was in the same place. I was like, I won't watch. But then I was like, wait, all these people on here are great. And then I was yeah. like, wait, Bailey's on here all the time. And in order to understand what's going on with my favorite character, I have to watch this other show. So they did a great job of making us watch it. Well, I appreciate all of you who do watch it and then fill me in on what happens so that I don't have to. <laughs> yes, just give you give you the little the little details that you need to know. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Do you have a favorite Shondaland character? Oh, you know, I read this when you, like, sent me the questions and... <sighs> we can choose like, more than one. As we know, I can't choose Okay, either. Okay, cool. That helps. Um, So, Amelia on private practice. Mm -hmm. Specifically Amelia on private practice. 
uh, Amelia specifically on private practice or Amelia on in private general? practice? Okay, cool. On private practice. Okay. Um, Christina on Grace. Okay. Duh. Yeah, that that um, tracks. That tracks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I don't know if we go out to other ones. Scandal. I love Quinn. Yeah. I love Quinn. Uh, plus, I just love Katie Lowe's. She's adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how to get away with murder. I feel like I just watched it to watch it. What else are you reading and or watching right now? Preferably both. Okay. So reading, I'm kind of boring with both of these, the reading and the watching. because So I'm in graduate school, right? And yeah. I'm sure that many of you have heard lots of horror stories about being a graduate student. And I can tell you that they're pretty much mostly true. Uh, so I am very busy. Uh, I easily work 60 to 70 to 80 hours a week. So I'm going in overnight. I'm so like, I mostly rewatch and recently re-listen to books. Um, uh-huh. cause when I'm sitting at my lab bench, I will like listen to books or listen to podcasts and with the world being what it is these days, um, I seek comfort. And so by rewatching and re-listening to books or rereading books I've read five million times before, I can I can find a place of peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my rewatches consist of Buffy all the time. I'm rewatching <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer constantly. Um, Game of Thrones because I love the books. Oh gosh. One Tree One Tree Hill. Yeah. CSI Bones. Um, and then as far as books, I re-listened to Harry Potter over and over and over again. Same with the Song of Ice and Fire books. And recently this trilogy that I love called the Farseer Trilogy uh, by Robin Hobb. Um, it's an old school series. Like I think it was released in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but it's fantasy. It's really, if you like Harry Potter, you would like the Farseer Trilogy. I'm going to add that to the show notes and I'll probably read it also. Okay. So we are going to be talking I feel like a lot about Buffy just because that's what Sarah and I do now. (laughs) And um, there's a saying that a character Faith says called five by five, like everything's great. Everything's five by five. But in my like weird midweek brain fog, I texted Sarah and I was like, (laughs) Sarah, you're on episode four by four. Everything's going to be four by four. And she very kindly was like, yeah. Absolutely. I rolled with it. <laughs> she knew she she knew what I was going for. Yes. So and then um yesterday when I was listening to a Buffy podcast that we like called Buffering the Vampire Slay that, that we've talked about before, they said something about like it's ten by ten, like as in double five by five. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, though, I didn't even like it didn't even phase me. I was like, that's close enough. That's fine. (laughs) So a four by four was originally my first note. Like this episode is going to be four by four. And then when I was watching yesterday after I had done it, I was like, wow, I mean, five by five. That's okay. (laughs) You can bring me back on five by five, too, if you want to. I was thinking because I haven't scheduled co-hosts for that yet. So I'm going to be doing that. Problem solved. Yeah, as long as it's not one of the super important episodes yeah. with Melissa. But then we'll have you five by four or five by six and be like, wow, super extra. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, so what are your other favorite podcasts? 
So like you just mentioned, Buffering the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorites. Um, I used to listen to the West Wing Weekly, but obviously yeah. they finished. Um, but it's still a good one if you if you want to watch The West Wing, which is another show that I like. I mean, I like to watch it when I'm not already – when I'm worried about things other than American government, I like to watch it. When I'm worried I, about American government, I don't like to watch it. It's It's a touchstone for me when really crappy American government things happen. I will so go like, back to The West Wing because then I can be reminded of like, okay, so – Things could be better. Yeah. <laughs> maybe how maybe someday they'll be better. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one. And then um, the On Call Room podcast. Oh, yeah. Our friends. Um, the, uh, I listened to a couple of A Song of Ice and Fire reread podcasts. Um, one's called Not A Cast. Um, and then the other one is called Girls Gone Canon. Um. Oh, and uh, I listen to a Westworld podcast because I do still watch Westworld, and it just started back up again. Um, oh gosh, what's that one called? I can't remember. I'll I'll send it to you yeah. separately, and you can put it in the show notes. Melody just started watching it, so maybe you two should be friends too. Oh, okay, cool. Like yeah, to- I I did just listen to that episode this morning, and I remembered her mentioning it. Yeah. Yes, I like to make friend friend friends. <laughs> You're a matchmaker for friends, huh? I am. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything else to promote? Oh, no. I mean, not really. I'll kind of talk about more chronic illness stuff as we we get into it. Um, uh, You know, do your civic duty and go out and vote and advocate for things and speak for people that don't get to be spoken for very much. Um, And I will, I guess I'll kind of soapbox for a second here. Um, You know, obviously the last couple of years have been hard on everybody with the pandemic, um, but I think it's important for everybody to remember their disabled friends and their immune compromised friends and be incredibly kind to them because while it has been a difficult couple of years for everybody, it has been an incredibly difficult couple of years for those of us who have had to shield ourselves to such a degree um, and just we're so high risk and the world is so much more scary for us. Um, the last couple of years for me, I've been doing my PhD and I go in in the middle of the night when no one is there. And I go in on the weekends and no one is there, even though I have to keep um, day shift classes and day shift meetings. And it's been really hard and exhausting and I don't get to do anything with anyone. Um, so I just, I think that a lot of the time our, our voices get um, lost in the crowd. And so if everybody could just kind of, remember that and try and be kind to us because it's been rough (laughs) yeah a hundred percent so yeah we can do that by continuing to mask yeah we can do that by getting vaccinated we can do that by avoiding events and places that will more expose us to and and also like when you do do things, you know, and this is something that I talk to a lot with like the undergrads and the different groups of people that I talk to about uh, disability in STEM, because I do a lot of a lot of lectures on that. Um, you know, take a look around and pay attention to the accessibility around you. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it isn't something that you need, are you going to a protest where no one's wearing a mask? Well, now that protest is no longer accessible. Yeah. You know, are you going to a space that doesn't have a ramp, doesn't have an interpreter, doesn't have closed captioning? This is no longer accessible. So just 
even small things like that where you go and notice, say something, um, you know, because these are now spaces where people like me and other people like me are, are no longer welcome. So, yeah, you know, one thing like that. one thing that I noticed when I was watching the hearings, um, the Capitol Hill hearings the other day is that they had a sign language interpreter mm-hmm. in a box, but it was underneath the logo of the station. Did you see that? too? Yep. It mm-hmm. made me so mad that's right. that happens a lot the yeah. banner a lot of the times too the banner on those websites the or on those television stations the csnbc's or whatever the banner of the headlines will always be over the closed captions yeah unreal yep very so our last question and our little getting to know you is where can we find you online if you want to be found? So the best place to find me online is on Instagram. It's where I'm the most active. I'm at SickKidChemist, one word. Um, I also have that same handle on Twitter and TikTok, but I never use those things. (laughs) Yeah. Instagram is the way to go. Yep. Okay, patient breakdown. We have first notes and miscellaneous per usual. We have... I thought it was Elena Stone, but they kept calling her Alana, right? Yes, they kept yeah. they kept yes. <laughs> Alana, yeah. I had a friend who spelled it this way with Elena, so we'll just say this is Alana Stone. Okay. She is pregnant, she has chronic pain and Chiari malformation. Kenny has stab wounds, and then we're gonna talk about our good friend Betsy. Okay. So what's your first note? Uh, my first note for the whole episode is this slow motion is a choice. <laughs> yep. I said, I might have similar. I said weird slow-mo Addy entrance. Why? <laughs> yep. I just like right off the bat, the slow motion was a choice and I don't know why they made it, but no, here yeah. we are. <laughs> As I've said before, more than anyone else, I want to have Tom Verica on here and ask him questions. Yeah. I could understand that. My only other first note, because it went really straight into Alana, is back on Tom Verica, because apparently we have an obsession with him over here, is um, I've talked about a show that I liked in the early 2000s called American Dreams, which was set in Philly and covered the turbulence of the 60s, specifically early 60s, and it also, American Bandstand was a big part of it, so they would have artists come on so like Vanessa Carlton or a lot of like our One Tree Hill friends who would come on and pretend to be other artists on American Bandstand anyway I was even when I was watching How to Get Away with Murder and all the things that Tom Varick has been on I was like he looks so familiar and just now I realized that Tom Varick is also the dad in American Dreams he plays Jack Pryor oh oh yeah (laughs) So it took me a second, but yeah, no, it, yeah. Did you watch it? Uh, very briefly. Yes. A long yeah. time ago. Well, yeah. Cause it's not streaming anywhere. I continually look yeah. for it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had the whole, my, my, I know that my parents listen and they're going to be laughing. I had the whole sound. Uh, I had the whole soundtrack. Yes. Put it on my iPod and in a CD player before that. But I had the entire theme song memorized and, like, had a choreographed dance to it. So, like, when we'd be watching it, I would get up and I would, like, dance around and, like, sing it. And I did, like, all the 60s moves. I was of obsessed with that Of course you did. Of course. Yeah, no, not one person is surprised. Nope, not at all. 
we love you, Sam. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Right back at you. As I say, I'll be here all week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more first notes? Uh, no, that was literally my only one. Because like you said, it gets right into Alana. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So into Alana, my first note that I feel like you'll feel also is um, I wish Addison would have washed her hands or at least sanitized before touching the patient when she comes in from the outdoors. Like I know she's probably a very clean person, but like when you're walking through the hospital and touching the doors and you should just wash your hands before you put hands on a patient. That's just my my thought. I didn't actually write it down, but I did track that yeah. mostly because I'm just so used to being a patient. And the very first thing every single doctor does when they walk in yeah. the room to talk to me is they hand sanitize or wash their hands. So yes. I did track it. I just didn't write it down. <laughs> One of the first things I said and throughout this entire storyline and in both of my watches, because I watched it twice to like prep. And this is you know, showing, telling more of me than it is of the story, I must have written down five times that I was so pleased that there was no part of this storyline where they were questioning this woman's pain. Yeah. Like literally this whole entire storyline is based on the premise that Amelia and Addison and Pete all believe her right off the bat. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. But unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not actually how this usually works. Um, nah. You know, and and this is to the listeners. Uh, I have a lot of chronic pain and I have a lot of trauma surrounding my chronic pain and, and years and years and years, decades, literally, of doctors who did not believe my pain. Uh, so it is not of the norm for doctors to believe a patient like this right off the bat. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But if we're going from the angle that these people are our friends. Yes. We can say that they know you. Yeah. And they know how you've been treated. So therefore, they would like for their patients to not feel the same way as you do. Yes. It's true. And and there's a few other things that like I did kind of note right off the bat here just in this first like interaction. Um, First of all, the boyfriend is still here. That's a big deal. Yeah, if yeah. she's been dealing with this much pain and seeing this many doctors and the boyfriend's still here, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Or husband. They didn't really say if it was a boyfriend or husband, did they? Um, I don't remember. I think husband because later when he's talking to Pete, okay. they were talking about vows and Steve said, and I meant it. Okay. So All that, right. but then that's husband. the only, yeah. Then husband. Um, And uh, another thing that I noted right off the bat is Pete talked about how she might have fibromyalgia. Uh Um, And I I think a thing people don't understand necessarily, fibromyalgia is a diagnosis of exclusion. Yes. So you try and diagnose everything else first and then you land on fibromyalgia because it's it doesn't have a definitive diagnosis and it's a really not well understood condition. Um, and so it made sense that he was saying she had been to like seven different doctors and none of them could figure it out. And so he was thinking it was going to be fibromyalgia because he couldn't figure anything else out. Yeah. One of the reasons why I know a lot about fibromyalgia is because fibromyalgia is actually a common misdiagnosis for EDS. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of my aunts um, who is in like the EDS genetics line in my family because it's a it's an autosomal dominant disease. So that means it has a one in two chance of being passed on to each generation. Um, my grandmother on my father's side had it. We're pretty sure she had it. Um, my dad has it. And this aunt 
has fibromyalgia you listeners can't see me but I'm putting air quotes yeah um this aunt has fibromyalgia her daughter has EDS mm. um so she mm-hmm. so she, she just probably hasn't... actually has EDS yeah. yeah she hasn't been to the doctors who will yeah who yep. are knowledgeable enough about it yep my next note is she's only 22 weeks was it 22 I was thought it, it was I thought it was 34 I thought it was 33 or 34. Yes, but then they – because then and then I was confused because they kept saying on not viable, not viable when from my um, doctoral education with Grey's Anatomy, I know that a baby is viable at 28 weeks. Yeah. I know it's like not ideal to do 34 weeks, but – Yeah. But then when they were talking later to Amelia, they said 22 weeks. So – Wow. If any listeners have watched and – picked it up that we didn't maybe it's a script description script yeah discrepancy yeah maybe but yeah because 34 weeks is definitely viable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when again when they're talking to amelia in the break room and she says yep i'm brilliant get used to it <laughs> yeah so since we're we're diving into the amelia of it um, yes please thank thank goodness for Amelia in yeah. this case. So um, Amelia suspects this condition called Chiari malformations. Chiari malformations, there's like a couple different types of them. You can be born with them. So babies that are born with them are usually also born with like other spinal deformities like spina bifida or scoliosis um, or Chiari malformations can be developed in adulthood. And they're not really sure like what it is that makes people develop Chiari malformations in adulthood, but there's a high incidence of Chiari malformations in the com- the community of people who have EDS. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in us, it's like a structural abnormality. Like the, the structures at the base of our skull are not such that they hold the brain up as well as they should. Um, so a Chiari malformation is when the brain, particularly the cerebellum, which is the bottom part of your brain, literally starts to sink down into the hole where your spinal cord comes up to your brain it's called the foramen magnum so that part of your brain will sink down into that little hole and as it does that it puts pressure on your spinal cord which can cause a lot of pain a lot of numbness a lot of headaches um it can even cause other symptoms that are like aligned with um disrupted cerebral spinal fluid flow and there are like treatments that are non-surgical and they talk about one of them inversion yeah yeah they talk about doing inversion therapy on this girl which is where you literally put someone upside down um so that the brain goes back the other way which like it works but you have to stay that way which obviously not ideal doesn't sound great for long term um that's aside from surgery that's really kind of the only one if the Chiari malformation is associated with another condition called craniocervical instability which is uh where the skull and the neck are unstable uh it happens a lot in people with again eds so i have craniocervical instability um it's my my vertebrae and my neck were literally like dislocating and so Mm. my whole neck is fused um so if you do a spinal fusion in people with chiari and craniocervical instability sometimes doing the spinal fusion helps with the chiari and you don't have to do the Chiari surgery, but that's like a very big sometimes. Um, most of the time it, it does 
not. <laughs> so you end up having to do the Chiari surgery anyway. And kind of one of the crappy things with Chiari is it's not like a one and done fix it. Um, usually you have to have more than one decompression because they'll decompress, fix it. And then yeah, 10, 15 it years later, it'll need it again. Um, so one of the nicknames that they give people with Chiari is Zipperhead. Because uh, you just keep reusing the scar at the back of the head. That makes sense. <laughs> so they call us, they call people with craniocervical instability like me zipper heads too, because we just have these scars that go up the back of our necks and the back of our heads uh, that look like little zippers, just zip and unzip it every time you got to go in there. Um, I, w- I was thinking one- it would be really cool to do a tattoo over it, but then if they keep having to open it, a lot of people do. But if they, nope, a lot of people still do. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, to each their own. I can't get tattooed on my scars. It hurts too bad. But one the like one other thing that I'll point out with just the whole uh the pain treatment of this whole uh storyline. This is there's a lot of really unrealistic things going on. Here. <laughs> um first of all, the alternative treatments that Pete wants to do, you know, they keep saying that they can't do them because she needs acute relief. And that's true, but you can still do them. And most people will attempt to do them anyway. So like, even if you need right now relief, they'll start working on the ones that would be long-term yeah. to begin with. Um, so that's number one. Number two, there are plenty of treatments that could be done on a pregnant woman safely. Um, you can do nerve blocks. Um, mm-hmm. You could give her an epidural. You could like there for six months. There's actually like, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you had to, she'd have to be on bed rest. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can the nerve blocks specifically. They last like a month to six weeks at a time, and you can do them occipital. You can do them in arms. You get like you can give someone a nerve block almost anywhere, um, and that's what they do to treat these a lot of the times. You know, I get nerve blocks for occipital migraines all the time. So like it like. They're all plot devices, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I get the it. Drama all, if, yeah. There are all plot devices, but like there's a lot of this storyline that there's a lot they get right and there's a lot that they really get very wrong. <laughs> yeah. So would those nerve blocks be something that a neurosurgeon would do or a neurologist? Or would that be more along the lines of like a pain management doctor? Uh any of the above. It okay. kind of depends on the how complicated your case is, uh, what doctor you're seeing to begin with. I've had them done by all three of those. Okay. Um, I've had neurosurgery give me nerve blocks. I've had my neurologist give me nerve blocks. And I've had pain management give me nerve blocks. So it just kind of depends on, like I said, how complicated your case is and who you're seeing to begin with, you know, who you can get into the, mm-hmm. the earliest, all that. Yeah. So it's not the case of, oh, we just don't have this specific specialty in our co-op. Yeah, no. It's no. just we want a plot device <laughs> to make people think that she could die. Yes, precisely yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My next note was Chiari malformation. Take it away, Sarah. But we just did. So that's great. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. my And then talking about the method that Pete was looking at the being upside down for four months. Mm-hmm. Ugh, the way that Alana looked, and she was like, "I have to come to the doctor every day for four, like yeah. every day." The way yeah. I, I like felt, 
I felt you in that moment, honestly, of being yeah. like, I have to come to really, there's no other way. So I'm really glad that Amelia, Amelia was there to help with a, you know, maybe more yeah. dangerous, but definitely more effective. More dangerous, but also like curing malformations are, are rare. They're considered a rare disease. But mm-hmm. if you've got a doctor who like will recognize that one exists, like Amelia does here, yeah. like you said, she's brilliant, get used to it. Like yep. she actually is. A lot of neurosurgeons will not like realize the symptoms and like make the connection. Um, the ones that do, who have done this surgery before, this would be considered like an intermediate to easy surgery for most neurosurgeons. This is oh. not like a super, super, super risk. Like it's risky. It's neurosurgery, yeah. right? Like it's brain surgery, but it's not like trying to dig a tumor out of someone's brain. And I feel like I'm belittling this issue and I don't mean to. I hope no, everybody no, no, knows you're not. I'm not. I, I just like am very yeah. jaded about a lot of health issues. And so sometimes on medical shows, I get a little frustrated because I'm like, okay, but it's not that dramatic. Yeah. Like, but the thing is that I feel like our listeners and people who watch these medical shows, especially ones with neuro focuses like Grey's and Fiber Practice, like they know yeah. that like Derek and Amelia oftentimes go in like with a probe to the middle of the brain and like mm-hmm. obviously that's going to be more I don't want to say dangerous or difficult but it's more intense than mm-hmm. a brain like a skull thing yeah. and like and this type of surgery like it's not a super difficult one to perform but I will say it is a really difficult one to recover from mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of like bone trauma and bone trauma is really painful um, and it takes a long time to heal you know and when they access that part of the skull like they have to separate a lot of muscles they have to cut through a lot of nerves and so there's a lot of tissue damage for a surgery like this so for the patient this is a really hard surgery, um, but it's not necessarily a super duper risky one. Yes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean so, every surgery is difficult to recover yeah. from. So when you get to the brain, then that's obviously going to be the most difficult. Speaking, I had, yeah, from experience, someone who's had brain surgery, um, <laughs> it's it's hard to recover from. So I yeah. had a craniotomy when I was 21 years old to take out a benign tumor, and uh, yeah. That sucked. <laughs> like, yeah. Do not recommend. One out of five stars. Do not recommend. <laughs> Would not do again unless needed. No. <laughs> I had a little chuckle when Stephen was coming back in after um, Alan had her surgery. And Amelia goes, she has a headache. That's normal with brain surgery. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up. This is another place where I'm going to. You can't just, like, say this surgery is a success this quickly after someone wakes up because, like, she's drugged. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's had anesthesia. It hasn't worn off yet. Yeah. Like, it – it no. <laughs> like, she hasn't even stood up yet, which is when a lot of the problems come into play because of gravity. So, like – Again, it's just me being nitpicky about a medical show, being someone who's had a lot of health issues and is very well informed on physiology because of my PhD. I was going to say, not only do you have personal experience, but you're educated on it. Yes. Yeah. That's why you are Science with Sarah. Yes. Back to private practice. I watched all of the Star Wars movies last weekend. Okay. All of them, all ten of them. Um, oh gosh! <laughs> and now I'm watching the um, 
TV shows that they just came out with. But so I had never seen Star Wars. I thought that the I love you, I know was between Luke and Leia. So I was really confused when I found out what their actual relationship was. Confused and nervous. Um, but anyway, all this to say, Amelia's scrub cap is not the one that she wears on Grey's. It's uh, like purple and it looks like the windshield in Star Wars when they go into hyperspace with like the the stars that are like. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that's what it looks like. Yeah, actually, yes. Right, right. Um, So I liked that and I appreciated that. And I just would once again love to say that if any of our dear listeners know of a place that I can get Addison's scrub cap in like blanket form. Please let me know. Ooh. Or like Ruthie collar form. Oh my lord, I would love it. I have a mask in um, Arizona's scrub cap form ish. Oh, it's cute. a little bit different, but unfortunately, it's my least protective mask. So uh, yeah, I haven't worn it in a long time. But it's like hanging on my little keychain, being like, "Wow, yeah, yeah." Oh, Ruthie key, Ruthie collar form. She is. Not right now, but she had been wearing the collar that you got her, her first collar. Oh, I, I switched it um, to the one that doesn't have an ID tag hanging with the ID tag that's attached. Um, oh. Just mm-hmm. to, you know, switch it up a little bit. That's okay. Yeah. But Sarah got Ruthie her first collar and the best, and the best, best, best um, care package in the whole world. You are you are a much better dog mom than me because Orphe's had the same collar for like easily seven or eight years. Because <laughs> I just like I like it. I don't want to change it. Orphe's collar, listeners at home who don't follow me on Instagram, Orphe's collar is light blue with a direwolf on it <laughs> for um, House Stark. And he had a sister for a little while who was my little sassy pants Khaleesi, so she had a black collar with the Targaryen, Targaryen. on it. Well. Right now she has Ruthie has her RBG one on so it has like um oh, the I love that one. the collar like her the descent collar with the glasses and um something else. I don't remember, but she has her RBG collar on cuz it's been so hot that I wanted her to have like the least on that she could. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that – I definitely would not say that I'm a better dog mom than you are because you are, like, <laughs> the OG incredible mom. Like, Orphe is the most well-behaved dog I've ever seen, and I see a lot of dogs. He's very well-behaved, and he's yeah. terrified of everything, so – And tolerant he, of everything. He is. Truly, he is. I mean, I have four foster kittens right now that he, like, loves, and this is our – third litter that we've done in the last six months I know when we when we were visiting Sarah and my dad and I were on our road trip with Miss Rue um I feel like Orphe was like afraid of Ruthie for a minute um yeah which wouldn't surprise me because Ruthie has a lot to say and and she does (laughs) and Orphe gets startled by loud noises (laughs) but at the time she was like 10 pounds and Orphe's like big big gray muscly pity Orphe's 50 pounds yes 50 pounds of solid muscle yeah and Ruthie's 10 pounds of 50% fur so yes (laughs) okay I always this is what happens when I when I 
when I do this podcast with anyone because even like Melissa and I or Jackson and I would get on to these long tangents and that's why we need to have we structured notes in front of us exactly and also why our bloopers are so good I, I'm about to oh, start yeah. editing our bloopers but right now they're like 45 minutes oh my gosh so I'll probably get it down to like 30 or 35 but there's gonna be some long bloopers I, I wish you luck thank you so much <laughs> thank you thank you thank you Oh, when the husband, Stephen, and Pete are talking in the waiting room, and Stephen's talking about, like, the person he fell in love with isn't there right now, and this and that, and he goes, how long am I supposed to wait for her to come back? And St- and Pete says, how long would you want her to wait for you? And I think that that speaks a lot to Pete as well, and how he dealt with the Violet situation last season and mm-hmm. the season before that of like he'll wait for you I mean of course then we have the um the court episode that I like to pretend doesn't exist because I feel right, like it's yeah. out of character for most people but then again so that's the writer's writing yeah yeah that's that's the writer's writing not the uh not my, not my friends speaking I so I I understand the sentiment of that conversation. Oh yeah. Um I ha- I do have a bone to pick with it. Mm-hmm. Um people who are in chronic pain, we are still the exact same people. It's just our light is dulled by pain. Our mm-hmm. you know, like we don't shine quite as brightly as we used to and we don't quite do all the things that we used to because the pain just covers it up a little bit, but like that doesn't mean we're not the same you know and it it's a little bit frustrating because you know like we're talking to the husband and and she's in surgery and you know we really actually don't talk to her very much yeah she's one in pain um and so that bothers me a little bit because she's not represented at all in this conversation but I would guarantee you if you talk to her she would be just as if not more sad and more frustrated with the situation as her husband like it's it is incredibly frustrating because you don't necessarily feel like the same person, but you're trying to be the same person while at the same time trying to reckon with the fact that you can't be. And like, how can I remake myself within the bounds of this situation? You know, and it's, it's difficult. And so like that conversation is lovely. Um, And it's, you're right. It speaks to Pete's character a lot. I think we'll learn a lot more about Pete from that conversation than we do from about this husband. Yes, which um, I think is which, why it's there. Right. Yeah. And that, that's good writing, right? Like yeah. that's one of those times where that, okay, we learned something about this character through the story of these other ones. Like that's how this is supposed to go. Um, but generally speaking, when it comes to like pain and couples and like how these sorts of that that's not handled well yeah (laughs) it's it's not handled well and there I have one other nitpick about this couple and then if we want to move on we can the husband keeps saying my baby yeah 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 no I noticed that as well I wanted to punch him in the face (laughs) dude it doesn't matter if you're the one who wanted this first or like wanted this like it's not yours it's ours yes like it just felt really icky like it just And especially given current environment with like pregnant people's rights and things like that, like it just like felt 
really gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. Okay. I definitely have a lot of empathy for both of these people, obviously. But yeah. at the same time, it's like like those I TikTok, ring the TikTok bell. <laughs> um, <laughs> on TikTok, there is this um person that goes around to different conventions with her like cramp simulator and oh. is like putting it on these people, usually like men or mm-hmm. people who don't have periods, and being like, Can you handle this? Like my pain. Like, we've done this, and, like, my team has done this, and, like, hers is a four, and, like, that's, I'd say, like, low to normal. Hers is an eight, and mine is a ten. Mm-hmm. And they see, like, how much they could handle. And I saw one one guy that was, like, if my pain was like this all the time, I would start a company, too. And it's kind of, like, none of us are in the place to say how much pain or lack thereof someone else is in, especially when they're growing another human in their body, which is difficult enough as it is. And I understand the father and the husband not wanting to lose this baby, but like I guarantee you that Alana doesn't want to lose the baby either. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's And and losing it would honestly, this is going to sound gross, but I don't mean it the way that it sounds, would benefit her the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, because one of the, you know, probably one of the reasons why her pain got so much worse is pregnancy can exacerbate Chiari malformations. Oh, yeah. Because during pregnancy, you're, one of the hormones your body is releasing and producing more is relaxin. And what it does is it's it's what makes it so that the body can prepare to have all this extra mass in it, right? So it shifts the ribs and it shifts the pelvis and it shifts the hips. Um, but it can also cause shifts of bones in the spine and bones in the shoulders and so like people with eds usually find out they have eds when they get pregnant the first time because Mm. then symptoms get so much worse so alana was probably feeling really bad already and dealing with a lot of pain already and then got pregnant and like now this pregnancy has had you know again we're speaking for her because she really didn't get to speak this whole episode probably has carried this negative connotation of it of making her have more pain um, but like she's still sticking with it and still wanting this kid, even though it would obviously benefit for for her to not have this kid anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah. While we're on this topic, I would normally put this in the credits, but I feel like people maybe skip the credits. So if you have questions about EDS or about any of these situations, Sarah has a really incredible highlight in her Instagram. If you have any questions that you just like absolutely can't wait, send them to the podcast and I will get an answer for you eventually, but we need to make sure that Sarah's in the space to deal with these questions. So please don't just DM Sarah random questions because like she could be in the grocery store and like not wanting to talk about ABC or like she could be having a really awful day and not wanting to or she could be having a really great day and then not want to bring it down. So send the questions to me (laughs) and then I will send them to Sarah and get back to you. Or if you feel like you really don't want to, if it's like a personal question, I guess, ask her if she is ready for the question before just like spewing it at her, please. And thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Of course. But first check the EDS (laughs) highlight in her, um, in, on her Instagram. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a number of highlights there. Um, I check in with people every once in a while and just make sure that I'm 
giving them the right tools that they are looking for. So there's one on EDS, there's one on all the spinal surgeries that I've had to have. There's another one. No, there's a couple of them on um, the science behind the COVID vaccine. Oh, and those are really cool. Yeah. Yep. And then there's also fun ones. Like I put a highlight together for every single foster group of kittens that I have. And I have one put together for the hedgehog. And so, you know, there's, all sorts of good stuff. There's doves that live on my porch. There's and their plants so. and your pottery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought long and hard about the mug that I was going to bring today to our um, to our recording session, just because I knew I was meeting with Sarah. It's a very cute mug. For the it's record. very cute. <laughs> I love it. My last note on Alana mm-hmm. is I when she was feeling well enough to let her husband feel the baby kick. I loved mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, and it was how it was on her terms is what I especially loved. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I have to say overall, you know, while he had some icky moments, that husband overall is a plus supportive, chronic pain support husband. Like that whole sentence didn't make any sense, but I think it did though. (laughs) It did. did. He just overall he he gets an A for effort. He's doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more Alana notes? Um, the last one I have is just another stupid nitpick. Y'all, when we have brain surgery, they don't wrap our whole heads like that. (laughs) They do that in every television show I've ever watched, and I don't get it. It's just like like a strip, right? Yeah, they just put a bandage strip on the part that they did surgery on, and that's, that's it. Like, even my brain surgery was on the side of my skull. And even then, where you're like, well, what did they stick it on? Because your hair is there. They just shave enough of the hair away. Yeah. Their skin for them to attach the adhesive to. And, and that's it. I literally just had it like a strip on the side of my head. They don't wrap your head like that. Again, the dramatics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling out all the crap today. No, please do. That's why you're here. But that's all I have. Moving on to Kenny, there's going to be a content warning here for self-harm and suicide again. I don't know what the exact time will be because I'm going to be editing it, but I will put a timestamp in the show notes and a warning at the top as well. So yeah, proceed with care and skip if you feel like you should. This is Benjamin Bryan, who plays Kenny. This is his most recent IMDb credit. I saw that, too, because I went to look him up. Like, I don't feel like I've ever seen this person before, and there's really not much on his IMDb at all. No, he looked a little bit like Phil of the Future from, um, I think that's a Disney show. (laughs) So I was like, is is this like a Hanson Matthews brother situation of like, Uh he looked like him? But not that I could tell. He helped me figure out how, like, the actual timing of this episode because he was wearing the same shirt like the whole time oh yes at first I was like wait this has to be more than one day but then I realized Mm -hmm. that he and Charlotte and Cooper were all wearing the same outfit so I was like okay this is the same day so he had two shirts he wore a green one and a yellow one I think it was two days because we even had a scene where we had Addison and Sam in bed in the morning Mm. so science with Sarah getting that timeline down (laughs) two days okay it's just it seems like a very lot to happen in two days but then again I guess we are on network television 
I mean, at least it's not like Angel where, you know, they're spending like 12 episodes in season four in the same three days. I think we pretend that doesn't happen. <laughs> you and yeah. I both. Just like how I, in my current Buffy rewatch, I'm getting ready for season four, but like I really don't want to deal with Adam. So I'm just oh, putting it no. off and watching other shows Mommy. in the meantime. <laughs> I know. Mommy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Me too. As am I. My... A next note is, you know, we talk a lot about how great Cooper is with patience, but the Mm -hmm. more we go on in this series, the more I'm realizing that Cooper is really good with children and not great with teenagers or tweens even. He flat out says, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. The only thing I kind of want to give him credit for with this kid is it he does get the he has the instinct to be like okay but like actually you're just trying to not go to school so like yeah what's going on like he gets credit for that yeah but, but I would have liked <laughs> I would have liked him to say it in a different way because the quote yes. I have down is why are you faking yeah maybe yeah, say like right. what's going on um yeah you can tell me anything and don't, don't just go like why yeah. are you faking because his dad just died and not that, yeah. like, anything gives people a pass to, like, totally avoid everything. But it just seems like this kid could use some more kind words. Yeah, I I feel like it almost feels out of character for Cooper to not give this kid the space. Yeah. You know, like, your dad just died. Let me give you space with that. You know, why don't you tell me what's going on? Like, more patience with him. Cause, patience, yeah. It, yeah. But then again, the way you guys have been talking, it actually seems like I guess it is in character and all the things we thought about Cooper are the out of character. Unfortunately. (laughs) Under eight, we're great. Over nine, not so much. Not so much, yeah. 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 The next day when the mom comes in with, with Kenny and it's like, you made him do this. Am I wrong in saying that Cooper's advice was make friends with other people who like anime, not bring a weapon to school? Correct. In fact, it was the kid who brought up, like, violence in anything because he was like, if my dad was still here, he'd help me beat them up, you know? So, like, no, Cooper had no part in encouraging him to bring a knife to school. No. No part in that whatsoever. Um. And I will say, I think maybe my lens of Cooper is colored a little bit next to this mother. Um, because this mother, this mother, yeah. oh my gosh, this mother. Like, <laughs> she bounces back and forth between helicopter parent and bullying her son. Yes, yes. Um, Like, she, like, is pulling him out of school every single time, which, like, that's never gonna no. be helpful for bullying the only way that you help with bullying is a you tell the school and b you give your kid tools to deal with it like you don't emotional pulling not, them out and putting them yeah. somewhere else is not you know like a, six schools in two years yeah that's even if your kid wasn't having problems with bullying to begin with they're gonna have problems because you put them in six different schools in two years yeah. like i just i don't know what this I'm not a parent, so I guess I can't criticize too terribly much, but they wrote this mom in 
not a good light. Like, no. They really just – It's it's in yikes. our trivia, and I know you don't watch Station 19, but um, she is one of our Triple Crown people who she is in Station 19. She was in the season finale of this last episode um, where there's a trans kid who is living with his dad and – his mom and his stepdad come up from Florida and want to take him back with them because obviously like Florida's has some pretty anti-trans legislation at the moment. Yeah. So she plays that mom also. And she plays another mom in Grey's Anatomy from – is she your guest star spotlight? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm not going to go into it anymore, but she is one of our triple crowns and each time yeah. she plays a very interesting mother. Yeah, it seems like it's her typecast, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, to be fair, I really didn't like her in this episode, so she's doing her job. Exactly. She's doing a great job. <laughs> you know, she's doing a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for her. In Shondaland, we have a lot of really great elevator scenes, but I just want to give a little pat on the back to Sheldon sneaking onto the elevator, and I loved that for him. Is it just me or does Sheldon tend to have a lot of elevator scenes? Mostly because people get him stuck in there so they can get free therapy out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say he has more than most, especially because yeah. he was originally up upstairs and yes. the um the double in the other practice. Yeah, the double practice does a lot for yeah. elevators. Although, seeing that these are doctors, you wonder why they don't take one flight of stairs more often. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Although we do see a lot of, like, especially between Addison and Sam, they run into each other before work quite often because oh, one yeah. of them went for a run on the beach or whatever, you know? Yeah. But yes, I agree with you. I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I'm sure that's just Shondaland trying to inject the same elevated drama they had in Grey's into private practice. <laughs> sure is. Sure is. You know? <laughs> I also really liked what um, Sheldon said to said Kenny mom. The mom says, my son can talk to me. And Sheldon says, I'm sure he can, but does he? Yes, that is a perfect question and response to that scenario. Because I would argue that's a lot of parents. Yeah. Um, A lot of parents say, well, my my kid can tell me whatever they want. And it's like, "But, but can they? Like, are you sure about that? Because I don't think that they can. I'm going to guess that your previous responses have tempered them in such a way that they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Couple of just random notes I have on this. Sheldon thinks this kid is cool, which made me squeal with happiness. Like, I know. I think this kid is cool, too. Okay. Yeah. And then the other one is that Cooper was telling the kid about when he was, you know, in high school, he was really dorky, which, by the way, that is a strategy never works. Like, parents and adults should never try to tell children that it gets better. Like, I'm sorry, but when you're 16 and your frontal lobe isn't fully formed yet, you can't see that far into the future. Like, you just can't. You're so focused on the right now that adults just sound condescending when they try and pull that crap. But Cooper tells him that he was really into magic when he was in high school. And I was like, oh my God, that tracks. That completely tracks. Oh, yeah. I can see Cooper being the kid walking down the halls in high school doing magic tricks. Like the little cards. <laughs> I got it on my sleeve. Yeah. And like, I'm not even like laughing about it in a making fun of him way. I like, it. I just see it. Like, I just see a mini Cooper. <laughs> like, a, mini Cooper. Uh-huh. a mini Cooper. A mini Cooper. 
<laughs> like walking down the hall with his cards, you know, like it just it tracks. It yeah. completely tracks. <laughs> That's super cute. Uh, uh, again, I just have more questions about like where I missed the bad advice that Cooper gave. Yeah, no, that it doesn't exist. Okay, cool. I because think. I literally have a note that says, I get that this mom is hurting, but I think I might have missed something that Cooper said. No. And at that point, it was like too cumbersome to go back and watch the scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, because I, I tracked that the first time I watched it. So when I watched the second time, I like listened to it more and like specifically read the closed captioning yeah. in exactly that situation. No, he gave no such advice. He, okay. He gave no yeah. such advice. That was just the mom trying to skirt around her own responsibilities yeah. unfortunately so i th- i think that now is when we should put the content warning in so yeah. you can look in our show notes and see where you should skip to if you'd like to avoid this section yeah so the the kid comes in um cooper gets a call when he was with charlotte that he had to go to the hospital because the kid came in because he stabbed himself in the stomach trying to commit suicide. Which I have thoughts on that in general. Um, number one, I don't know what the writers were thinking, but this is not... I don't know if they were trying to make it so that the kid's attempt was half-hearted, like seemed half-hearted. Stabbing yourself in the stomach is not and if not an effective way to go about this and like it's very easy to gather that information so like I don't know if they were just trying to make it seem like this this wasn't a wholehearted attempt at ending his life or like I I was looking at it they more were just of being like sloppy. An, I, w- I was thinking that it was more of like an anime um I've don't know the exact pronunciation but harry carry hari kari oh okay that's how like identifying with okay that's how i was looking at it but it also could be a combination of both of them okay that's fair my other nitpick is like they they go to the hospital and and they go see him after he's been in the er he didn't need surgery i know (laughs) i'm sorry but that's that goes beyond disbelief for me. Like, you don't, you don't get stabbed in the stomach and then not need to stitch up internal things. Yeah, like it. I don't know. That that just was a little hard for me to understand. But I will have to say the the resolution of this story, for all of its faults along the way, is somewhat satisfactory. Um, and also like you know the kid and the mom both come around so you know the kid's like don't take me out of school again and the mom agrees to it mm-hmm. and the kid agrees to go see Sheldon you know so like those are all good things but it's also uh, very much like the least important story in this episode so I'd say first yeah. we have Betsy and then we yeah. have Alana and then we have so this, this. would be the C plot yeah yeah and like even I would say that like Charlotte trying to get with Cooper in the office would be above this. So this is <laughs> yeah. very much and like who's well who's going to adopt Betsy I guess goes in the whole Betsy pile of it all. Yeah, but in the A. Yep. It's like Betsy is the A, Alana yep. is like the C and this is like the F. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, and not F as in like fail, but F as in like not even yes. third priority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it reads that way. It almost, to me, it reads that way that it was the least important one, the way it was laid out. It all could have, I don't know. It all just could have been better. Like, Cooper's attitude toward the kid and the mom's attitude toward the kid like it just yeah but you're the actor so you tell me (laughs) no no I think and I mean also it's very possible that there are like two or three deleted scenes that didn't make it into the episode that would make things make a lot more sense that's true um I mean anything's possible yeah but yeah yeah my last note is what a long day for Kenny yeah he's been having a rough go of it anything else about kenny not really i mostly just have a whole lot of notes yelling at this mom yeah i mean you're <laughs> welcome to read them yeah oh no i'm not gonna read all of them because <laughs> a lot of them is me quoting her back at herself in a sarcastic way gotcha like, gotcha you know like when she calls her kid a wimp to cooper and sheldon's face and the kid is you know standing in the doorway of the house and hears her like ma'am Come on. Yeah. This this uh, woman plays moms really well, but like bad moms really well. Bad moms really well. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. On to Betsy. I have a whole lot of notes about Miss Betsy. Yeah, I do too. And I broke them down essentially by couple. Oh, good. I didn't. So we, like, can, we can do it your way. Yeah. Like yeah. just generally each couple's um, – reactions and then Sheldon by himself um (laughs) and then I kind of have like a group section too so like uh as a group I am disgusted with all of them oh the way that they stare at her through the office window like she's in a zoo the way that like they just it just is gross like the whole thing is gross they're just like Addison's reference to Paddington Bear like really that's I know. so like are you kidding me like it just the whole discussion they have while staring at her like she's in a zoo so part of that I get is exposition right yeah. they're like backfilling Betsy's story for people who just started watching but it felt really really clumsy to me yeah <laughs> like, I mean not that the Paddington Bear reference was wrong <laughs> no it wasn't wrong yeah <laughs> It just was like it yeah. Just, it was. It's like like when you're at like when you see a fish and you're like tapping on the. Uh-huh, the yeah, just like staring at her through the window. That's not no, no. Um, my, and then within that section, I also have my reactions to the aunt. Like, oh, my first note is I want to throw Aunt Monica out the window. Yeah, mine is. I'm trying not to be mad at her because I'm sure it would be a lot to have a child just like dropped on you out of nowhere, let alone a sad traumatized child when you didn't want kids to begin with. But like, also, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, are you actually kidding me? There was much better ways to go about this than to just drop her off the doorstep of this doctor's office, not even someone's home, a doctor's office. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. I don't have who said this. I feel like it's Violet. 
uh, says, Betsy needs help, which Adele would have given any of us without a second thought. I feel like it's Violet. It might be Addison, but I feel like it's Violet. Does that track for you? Okay. Yeah, it's Violet. I wrote that one down because then she follows it up with, I miss Adele. Yeah. And you're like, this is the first episode. I was listening to the last episode you recorded this morning (laughs) on my way to lab. And this is the first episode, I feel like, of this whole season that they actually start to somewhat confront being yes. sad about Dell. Like, not even at graveside. No, not even that. Like, it's literally just, like, and it's not even everyone. Like, Violet is talking about missing him. And Sam talks about it for a little bit because he talks about how, you know, he feels guilty that Dell essentially, like, died to save his kid. And now he's not even going to do anything about Dell's kid. Yeah. But, like, even then he doesn't talk about, like, how he feels about Dell dying. He just, like, talks about Dell in passing. As, like, I know. It just is – it's weird. It also is really strange to me how, like, Dell and Sam did not get along, like, even Whoa. for one minute. Mm-mm. And we know how Dell felt about Naomi. Still difficult mm-hmm. to talk about him in the past tense, even though he's a fictional character who died 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but – um. It would be one thing, still wrong, but one thing for Sam to say, I didn't like him. He died for my kid. I can't take his in, but I didn't like him. He can't even say that. Like, he can't even admit to his faults. Yeah. Yeah. And my heart broke multiple times in this episode, but the first of which is when Betsy says, where am I going to sleep tonight? That should not be a thing that a child should ever have to worry about. It shouldn't. And also, since you said it and 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 it was a very emotional scene, can we just like shout out to this child actress because yeah. she's so good. Yeah, she is. She's so good. Like a child acting like this should not make me feel this way, but it does. I know. Like I know. You know? Oh my gosh, she was so, so, so good. But yeah. So I like I said, I kinda have them broken down like a couple we can do it this way or we can not do it this way. I don't care. No, we should, we should. Okay, so I have Violet and Pete first. Okay. Mostly because there's kind of the most. I have, like, essentially I spent the whole time with Violet being of two minds. Like, sometimes I very much felt for Violet and agreed with her. Like, yes, you're right. She should be with people she's familiar with. She should feel like she has a home. She should be able to be with you specifically because you're right. You probably actually are well capable of handling her and her trauma. Not to mention financially. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's definitely in a position to help her financially. And it, But then at the same time, I would, like, step back and be like, oh, God, no. No, this girl needs to get away from all of you. Like, honest to goodness, she needs a life separate from all of you. Because while you may be well equipped to handle her trauma, I would feel like she's also just going to be reminded of her trauma constantly by being with you people. You know, like she's just going to, I don't know. I just, so I spent the entire time like essentially agreeing with and arguing with with Violet where I would just like take down exact quotes she said and just like either say oh my gosh you're breaking my heart or like oh god why are we doing this you know Mm -hmm. I don't know you tell me what do you have um my first Violet note is that fear in her eyes when she sees that Lucas is not in his crib and I saw Amy Brennanman's flashbacks to Katie 
and like thinking of what could happen and like is he kidnapped is he hurt like did she like I thought she was not going to you know all of that and then when we see them watching cartoons yeah it warmed I have three hearts next to it warmed warmed my heart he goes daddy and I used to watch cartoons in the morning Mm. so I my feelings on that track with you for the cartoon part the beginning part I was annoyed with. I was like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Like, why are we doing this? The drama. Like, you know, like, it It just annoyed, it annoyed me. And then my annoyance turned into, like, okay, if Violet is freaking out this much about Lucas not being in his crib because, you know, Betsy took him out of the crib or whatever, is Violet really ready to have a second kid in this house? Yeah. Like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. If this was the response, like, sh- is that really okay for yeah. her to be doing? Yeah, so, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. I also, under my Violet stuff, I didn't, I didn't get the whole Violet and Betsy in the kitchen thing. Like, maybe it's just because I'm a neat freak and I would not want sticky soda everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't know. It frustrated me. Um, I think. I, I also get that because one of my notes is I hope they have a change of clothes after sitting in that liquid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but my heart warm of that scene is strictly Betsy's face when she sees – she spilled like a couple drops. She's yes. like, oh, no, I'm going to get kicked out because of this, which makes me wonder what she went through with, at Aunt Monica's with house. Yeah. And even maybe like with her mom when she was alive um, – of like oh no the little thing that I messed up is gonna like I'm gonna pay for it it's gonna get me in trouble so I did like that Violet showed her that it was okay to make a mess but at the same time I also went back and I was like okay cool but who's gonna clean it up right I don't think it's Violet (laughs) and Del would maybe do it and he's not around to do it anymore so like we're just leaving that for housekeeping yeah so but then again I think it was supposed to be a much smaller cute little moment but the logistics of it all as I'm watching this in depth got to me of that of that nature yeah which you know if we step outside of ourselves then you know it was a cute little way to get Betsy to smile and laugh yeah and I think that was the whole point was like smile and laugh and feel safe uh but then we turned it all on its head by no one keeping her anyway. So, you know. God. <laughs> I know. I have a note that I don't know if it goes in the Sheldon pile or the Violet pile. So I'll just say it now. Yeah. Sheldon says Betsy is troubled. But I just don't know what she has done to show Sheldon this. Like, is she likely to have some deep-seated issues about relationships in the future and abandonment? Absolutely. But she's been nothing but wonderful even with everything that has happened like except like of course the normal reaction of where am I going to sleep tonight and like probably being upset a lot of the time it's not like she's acting out and for Sheldon to jump straight to she's going to hurt Lucas it just comes out of nowhere for me and I don't agree with yeah I kind of have a similar note where I was like well okay Sheldon how exactly did you make that assessment Uh, number one and number two all you've seen like you said is like her being friendly and happy with the people that she knows and or being sad right sitting in her dad's office or whatever but like I would expect her 
to be sad. Like I would be concerned if she wasn't sad. So yeah, while I I agreed with Sheldon most of this episode where he was like, she needs to get away from these people because I was kind of in the same camp as him. Um, Otherwise, I was like, I don't even know if Sheldon should be on this storyline because it doesn't really seem like he's offering all that helpful of an opinion. Like it was, I don't know, it felt kind of weird. No, I would Um, agree. I would agree with that. So that's really all I have on Sheldon. If we're still in the Violet and Pete of it all, he Pete. He had the level head, right? He was speaking about it the way that I would have spoken about it. Um, and I got to give him credit for standing up to Violet on it because obviously Violet is all puppy eyes, empathy, all emotion. Can we please bring her home. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, this isn't we don't need this. This is not a good idea. Um, and this was the moment that I like was like, Oh, they fit together really well. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honestly, like they, they don't seem like they do a great majority of the time, but like her emotion and empathy balanced with like his practicality. It's like pretty great. <laughs> like it actually works out well uh, while it causes a lot of confrontation, but it seems to work out well. Yeah, when Violet says, last year I was Aunt Monica, Mm. I was, again, like, yes, someone needs to give Betsy a home, but also if you're already coming at it from a reparation stance, I don't think that that's the way to go about it. And when – oh, and then with Cooper, when Cooper says, I think – you can do this, but I don't think Pete can. Yeah. And he says, your do-over is with is not with Betsy. It's with Lucas. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's almost like Violet wanted to avoid the doing over with Lucas yeah. and was like, I'll just do it with Betsy instead. She really likes me. Yeah. Making it easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I have with Violet and with Pete is, oh my gosh, the way Violet guilts everybody, uh-huh. I kind of wanted to yell at her. Uh, because, like, like I get that she's guilting everyone, but at the same time, honey, you're not doing it either. Exactly. Like, get off your high horse, ma'am, because you're you're also not taking her in. So it just, it felt really gross and, like, martyr-y. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. it just felt really self-centered and, and I kind of wanted to scream at her. But again, in in character for Violet. Yes, very yes. in character for Violet. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, did appreciate the line where she says, we, de- we did a bad thing here and you all know it because she's bringing yeah. herself into it. Yes. But yeah. when she says, um, like, why people need to take them in, take Betsy in. She says, because I can't and one of us needs to set needs to step up. But if you can't for no other then, reason, then but right. again like, uh, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Like you can't. If I can't, then someone has to. Well, what is making you so special that your can't is better than everybody yeah. else's I can't? Like yeah. you know, like I I don't know. I like you said, in character for Violet, but overall just, like, icky. And I was also really confused why Amelia was lumped in with everyone. 
yeah that was kind of weird yeah she wasn't even around and you know she's obviously the youngest of the crew and doesn't have her stuff together and like yeah. understatement uh, of the century I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right we love her anyway <laughs> oh absolutely why we love her so at, since we're since we're talking about the end scene if they're not yeah. going to take Betsy in, they, I feel that they need to at least verify the foster home that she's going to yes. or keep her in their care until an adequate foster home or adoption can happen. I would agree with that, but that's just not how those departments do those things. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, because yeah. if you're holding her, why can't you hold keep her. her forever? Yeah. Um, or like wondering if they can arrange like one Saturday a month to get together, like anything. Yeah. Yeah. And why Naomi's on family, uh, family business. Naomi's on foundation business. She's not in a coma that we know of. So like, so why can't we call her? Yeah. Just like, see like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? What was Audra McDonald doing right now? (laughs) So she, um, she was filming in LA and her daughter lived in New York. So she was um, trying to spend more time with her daughter and her, okay. yeah, gotcha. and her family. So that okay. literally is what, what it was going on yeah. at this moment of just being there personally for her family. All right. Well then we had to, we had to not be able to call her. So exactly. But even fine. just like <laughs> even a one-sided phone call. Yes. Do you want to move on to um, Addison and Sam or Cooper and Charlotte? Let's do Cooper and Charlotte because I, I don't have much personally. I don't um, either. I just really liked how Charlotte said, um, we don't have children. Yeah. <laughs> how, <laughs> how Cooper was like, um, he would do this for us. And he was like, Charlotte goes, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, this is not quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not actually how this would work. I also uh, – as inappropriate as it was, I really enjoyed Charlotte's she's not a puppy line. Yes. <laughs> Cooper. Like, correct. Yeah. She's not a puppy. Yeah. Like, yeah. You are correct in that. Um Yeah. And he like the one thing I will say about Cooper specifically is like when he's talking to Charlotte, he's like, you know, I would like to make her happier. Like I want Betsy to be happier. I want her to be better. Um, but that he didn't actually want her around. And like, I was glad that he like recognized that because if he would have taken her in anyways, it just would have been like a hotbed for just like disaster and resentment of this child. Right. Like it just would not have, it would not have gone over well. So they were absolutely not the appropriate couple for them to be with. And then my last note is I just seriously love Cooper and Charlotte so much. I know. (laughs) I love them. They're so stinking cute with all of their inappropriate sex everywhere. Our charcuterie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Charcuterie. I still think Sharper is a better name, and I will die on that hill. I'm with you on Sharper. Charcuterie is just like weird to say. Well, it's Sharcoop. Like it. Oh. And I changed it to Charcuterie. Yeah, no, I like Sharper better. Sharper, yeah. But um, Margot doesn't agree with us. Our other listener, Sarah, doesn't agree with us. I've had many people in our yeah. DMs being like, it's Sharkoop. <laughs> like, it's Sharper. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> and then I don't, I guess I don't really actually have a whole lot on Addison Sam. I do. The first thought that I had, which is 
interesting uh given you know what we know about addison and wanting kids my line was i think addison and sam are the last people to take her in of all this whole group i feel like they would be the last people to take her in capable and should or that the last people that they would because of the selfishness i would agree capable should not the last because they're absolutely capable and they both probably should because they don't have kids they have plenty of money they have plenty of space you know but like i don't think they would sam doesn't want more kids yeah it's like made that abundantly clear which like kills me um and then addison like had the least contact with betsy i think like besides maybe charlotte yeah like honestly barely talked to her so it just felt weird and the other notes that i have on them with this whole thing is all of the conversation that it brings up between addison and amelia about sam not wanting kids like addison straight up tells amelia that she's like i don't think sam wants kids and yet she's still with sam like it it kind of caught me off guard uh and also in my head I was like okay this is not real life in real life you have these conversations and if like the person you're with doesn't want kids and you want them then you don't stay together like it's just I don't know I just again it was me not being able to get lost up and lost in the fiction of it all um because it just isn't practical but well for me it just got back to like on every show, not even just in this universe, but I feel like every television or movie ever is like one person wants children, the other one doesn't. And we're going to fight about it forever until one of us gives in. And usually it's the one who does want kids. Yep. And I yeah. just, as as much of a normal and prevalent conversation that is, I feel like we don't need it to be in every television show and movie ever. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. My last note in this section, besides Violet saying I miss Dell is all of us, which you already covered. Why does Addison say that it's good that Violet and Pete aren't adopting Betsy? Like who is that good for? Pete? Like obviously we've talked about in the long term how it's not how it is good for Betsy as well to not be raised by them. Yeah. I just I don't know. I from from Addison's current point of view. I don't see how she could possibly think that Betsy going into the system is good for everyone. Yeah, I don't really see it either. It doesn't really make sense to me. Because, like, at this point, too, like, Addison and Violet are, like, super close friends either. So it's not like Violet would have had conversations with Addison about, like, being ready for this sort of thing or not or like her her vision on kids or whatever so like I don't know it felt weird coming out of Addison's mouth for sure the only thing that I can think of is that maybe it's from the standpoint of like we just went through Violet not wanting a kid and then wanting a kid and the turbulence of it all yeah I don't know not a fan yeah it didn't make any sense to me yeah so hard to talk about this without getting spoilery it is <laughs> i know like the end of um the last episode that melissa was on she was like betsy won't go into the system will she and i literally uh, i yeah. went like this. <laughs> i went <laughs> she goes are you hiding oh <laughs> uh, yeah well 
Yeah. yeah. I definitely laughed when she said it. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything else for them. How about miscellaneous? Miscellaneous. I do have some miscellaneous. One of them is, oh, we're closing with slow motion, too. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like weird. And the close-ups when they're just like walking into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Having been on set, like there are lots of scenes that are awkward to film. But the most awkward is when you're like walking towards a camera, but you can't okay. look at the camera and the person behind the camera doesn't look at you because they're looking at it. And it's just like you have to stay on your mark, but you also can't bump in. It just is like very strange. That sounds very awkward. Yeah. Um, tis. Yeah. And my other note when it comes to like camera work or whatever, the camera work in the very beginning of the episode when we first meet Alana, it almost felt it wasn't like quite shaky enough to be handheld, but it almost felt handheld. Did it feel chaotic to you? Yeah, like it, it made did. me hurt. I think to, like, it watch. Yeah, I think it was like I think it was trying to show Alana's pain or like show the I think so too. weird situation. Which worked because it made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess it was effective. But, yeah, yeah. But I didn't like it. Okay, my only other comments I have are um, fashion-related, so. Yay! Um, you know, the, do you like them now? <laughs> I, I would. I just, my, um, the end of the episode, that song that was playing about, like, feeling the rain, it really made, it was like, okay, so you're showing us visually that you want us to feel sad. The music is showing us that you want us to feel sad. I was like, this is working. Like, good job. Yeah. Yeah, it was. They did put it together nicely. It was effective. Yeah. Good package. Yes. Sad, but good. Good job, Tom Verica. Please guest host on our pod. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. (laughs) My only other miscellaneous, and it'll go nicely into your fashion, is Charlotte's brown dress and Cooper's plaid shirt look so good together. Yeah. Yeah. And we're taught in costume design school that like, uh, or costume design class, that couples are not supposed to look like they're matching except for if it's like in a, like a prom situation or like a, you know, that kind of color coordination. But in this case, they weren't matching. It was just complimentary. And I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, Maybe I was wrong, but the brown of Charlotte's dress was like an accent color of the plaid and yeah. Cooper's shirt. Yeah. yeah. Which then felt like it was like, okay, it isn't too matchy matchy. It's just pleasant Neutrals. to look at. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And the lighting went really well into it also. Yeah. Take it away. So I have, I don't have a lot of them. Um, One of them is her charlotte's other dress which it was like purple she had like a black cami underneath it and it yeah. felt very early 2010s i was like oh look we're wearing camis under everything <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my toxic trait i will always have a cami on i used to do it a lot but like now i look back on it and especially uh so early 2000s i was very like emo punk uh i still listen to a lot of emo music but like I even dressed emo punk. So like it was like tank top with tank top with t-shirt with yep. like plaid layers shirt over it. Like you wear like five different shirts at one time. Pulling and, them lower know. and lower and lower. Yes. Yeah, so that they layered at the bottom. <laughs> and, and so whenever I see camis under clothes, I'm like, oh no, I'm never going back to that ever again. Because <laughs> it was so sweaty. Like I just felt so hot all of the time. 
and then Addison Addison's very last outfit, which was like the skirt almost looked like it was a dark denim, but yeah, I don't think it was like a pencil with like charcoal a black scoop neck top with it. Oh man. She looked real good. Um and then my last one is and this is maybe a just me opinion and hopefully it's not a controversial one. Why don't I believe that Addison would actually sleep in matching silk pajamas? I don't no, believe it. I would agree. I would agree. Like, I feel like she only does it when there's a guy there. And yeah. otherwise, you would see her in just, like, sloppy shorts and a sloppy t-shirt like she wore to Joe's to drink that one day in Grey's yeah. Anatomy. Or, like, her Yale sweatshirt yes. that she likes to wear. You know, like... I believe that way more than I believe that she actually wants to wear matching silk pajamas to bed. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. No, I agree. Or not silk. Are they silk? Satin? Like, I know what you oh, mean. Oh, they're now. shiny. Yeah, like, um, whatever my pillowcase is made out of that's supposed to be good for your hair, like that thing. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just don't believe it. No, but. yeah. I... I'm actually kind of surprised she's not in like a teddy. Yeah, or like or like that, or just like a long, yeah, like a sleeping dress, like a nightgown. But that's all I have in my <laughs> fashion notes and my miscellaneous. <laughs> well, since we've started talking um, fashion, I have a paragraphs yeah. on Sam's style. Okay, and it is Charlotte's brown button-down dress. And it's everything that doesn't make sense about women's fashion because it has buttons all the way down the front that likely don't work, but it still has a zipper on the side with one of those like tiny little sharp pools that definitely will make an indent on her arm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the buttons that do work won't go over the boobs without pooling, so she needs a cami underneath. But the bow in the back is cute, but I also (laughs) – really like the tan and peach embroidered striped oversized blazer that she wears at the end of the episode but just the fact of like she looks amazing in it and it's a great businessy dress type deal but just the fact that like we're highlighting brown that brown button down dress that the buttons that work don't work and the buttons that should work don't do yeah Femme fashion to a T. Yes, and no pockets. <laughs> no pockets. Absolutely no <laughs> pockets. And actually, I'm realizing there was one more that I forgot to write down, but I thought about it again this morning when I was listening to the last, the last episode. Violet wears a pink dress with a giant black bow on it. Yes, yes. That I was like, okay, were big bows a thing at the time that yes. I just wasn't aware of because I wasn't girly? Yeah. Like, I just, because it was not. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, accentuating the waist, Mm -hmm. but maybe in a way that didn't accentuate it in a positive way, but we thought it was positive. You can accentuate a waist without a giant bow. (laughs) But that is what we used. (laughs) Yes. But our guest star spotlight? Yeah. Um, So I decided on Romy Rosemont, who played Kenny's mom in this episode. Um, She, I don't have a lot of, like, personal information about her probably just because I'm me and I lean towards not divulging personal information about me yeah (laughs) as much as humanly possible so I picked her because I feel like I've seen her in everything I feel like she has like had at least one episode per television show that I've ever watched so uh Romy Rosemont was born on October 28th in 1964 in New York City 
She is both a film and television actress. Um, but I listed out a whole bunch of her television appearances right here. All right. So Roseanne, Melrose Place, ER, Friends, Ally McBeal, Touched by an Angel, Without a Trace, Seventh Heaven, the original CSI and CSI Miami. Wow. Grays, Boston Legal, Brothers and Sisters, Private Practice, The Fosters, Glee, How to Get Away with Murder, You, Station 19, and her most recent one and the one that I recognized her from was A Million Little Things. She's been playing on that for the last couple of years. Uh, so yeah, she's uh, been around the block a time or two, obviously. And I feel like I recognize her from even more than just those things. Yeah. But when I look down her very long filmography on IMDb, those are the ones that I just kind of like picked out. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It yeah. also struck me that she was in a, the, the not the first Avengers movie, but the Avengers movie that is called Avengers. Yes. I saw that as well and was like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't keep up with those very well or else I probably would have remembered her. But I haven't seen all of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, Romy Rosemont. Well, thank she plays you. plays an excellent bad parent. She does. She does. <laughs> Our trivia. This episode scored 8.07 million viewers, which is higher by almost a half a million than we've been seeing all of this season, which makes me wonder why. Yeah. In the beginning outer shots of LA, there was a Harry Potter billboard. So I was curious about when this was. Uh, if anyone wants to go back and watch, it is exactly three seconds into the episode. And it's um, either Deathly Hallows or Deathly Hallows Part 2. And uh, it's just like a little – just like – it's not little. It's actually a big billboard, but it's like on the side of the building. And it's three seconds in if you're interested in going back to look at it. I completely missed that. I'm a little disappointed in myself. Well, it's only three seconds into the episode. Okay. <laughs> you also – I probably would have missed it too because the the cinematography, the coloring is like kind of weird so it doesn't – like Ron's hair isn't really red. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> oh, of course. I also – what house are you in? I'm a Ravenclaw. Yes, I thought so. Me too. Of course I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> I know. I know. I could see you being a Gryffindor though. Yeah, I I could kind of see that too, but my nerdiness and my need for logic went out over my bravery, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but we are also here to tell you that if you're interested in getting into the Harry Potter series, please try to buy, used, or rent from the library. Yes, definitely. Next trivia. This is another one of this person was this person. Romy Rosemont, who we just heard a lot about. Thank you to our guest star spotlight, who plays Jackie, also plays Leah Siebert in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. That's in season two. That's the wife of the abusive husband who causes the road rage incident and tries to get her son to donate part of his liver to him. And she is another triple crown holder that we've talked about before on the season five finale of Station 19, the mother of the trans kid who's trying to get Matt to come back to Florida with her and Matt's stepdad. Jay Renee Pena, who plays Gladys went on to play a female driver in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So we know by now that I tend to remember even small details on Grey's Anatomy. I would call you an encyclopedia. I think that's fine. Thank you, thank you. I think you you burned it. You're welcome. (laughs) But all all the information I could find is that she's in season nine, the female driver in season nine. I don't know what episode it's in, but Gladys is the social worker. 
So I'm on season four of my rewatch now, almost season five. So when I get to season nine, I guess if I remember, but I probably won't because if I don't have any more info, then it's probably not there. I'll try to remind you, like, I know how quickly you're going to get through Grace, but I'll try anyway. <laughs> Although I'm simultaneously rewatching Buffy, Gilmore Girls, and SVU, and also I'm watching all the Star Wars TV shows, as we talked about, and ER, as Margo has suggested. So Man. it's not going to be as quick of a rewatch as we have no. come to know. But that's okay, because honestly, I know it uh, already. so next we have what is normally melissa's musings i have called it sarah's suspicions but the thing is that sarah already knows everything that's going on i do (laughs) um so this is just sort of like a um i don't know anything you want to say about the season so far the series so far putting you on the spot here i know i know you are but like i i just feel bad because i've been trying to think about this ever since you sent me the notes with it being called Sarah's Suspicions. And I was like, I I do not have enough self-control nor care over my words to trust <laughs> myself to speak anything into the universe without spoiling something. That's coming up so really I'm soon. I'm just going to plead the fifth if that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> I would rather do that than spoil. Yeah, because I know exactly what you're thinking of, of a guest star that comes really soon who I'm really nervous. Yeah. Really nervous. I know. Again, listeners can't see me making faces, but I'm making a face at Sam that you'll all come to understand very soon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. All right. Ratings and MVPs. Uh, Let's do MVPs first. Okay. So... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm a little biased to storylines, obviously. So my MVP here is actually Amelia. Yay! Because she she helped a patient who was on a bunch of pain and spotted a really rare condition that a lot of other neurosurgeons would miss without even seeing the patient first. Yeah. So, you know, Amelia, she's brilliant and she knows it. Yep, get used to it. Yep. (laughs) I'd also like to hop on to that. I chose someone else. But with Amelia, she knows to keep quiet when something doesn't involve her. So when – I mean, from what we've come to know of Amelia, she speaks her mind, yes. But I feel like she easily, when they're all in that that room, be like, you should take this person because you should take this person because and just speak up for Betsy. But she knew that it didn't – it wasn't about her, so she didn't. Yeah, she definitely gets credit for not adding to the drama in a way that she could have because she's been a kid who's lost a parent before, but she just stepped out of it, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My MVP is Betsy for doing more emotional labor than anyone should have to at her age. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's an appropriate pick, not an appropriate thing for a child to deal with, but she definitely is an MVP for it. Yes, Yes, um, yeah. for being kind to Lucas, which I know a lot of a lot of yeah. um, children who love babies and who love toddlers. So I loved watching that. Yeah, and also for the sweet moment with Violet in the kitchen, mostly for her being so afraid of what was going to happen since she's spilled juice. Well, and she gets some credit too for at the very end when Gladys shows up and is like, you know, I've heard a lot about you, and she didn't break down crying she didn't like freak out she just kind of like accepted it it's like okay this is happening which makes me proud of her and sad all at the same time Uh uh-huh 
So uh, ratings are hard, so I'll go first, unless you'd like okay. to. I mean, I, I actually feel like I figured it out. Oh, good. Um, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. You, I feel like you'd be good at it. <laughs> if you'd like to feel, take it away. Okay, so I rated it a stalled hurricane on the beach. Yes! <laughs> because I all of the problems in this episode have been, like, really persistent and really awful for the people who are experiencing them, right? So, like... Betsy and like obviously it wasn't going well with her aunt and then this whole entire episode she's playing this game of like who's gonna be my mom and then the kid who's getting bullied obviously his life has been complete crap for a while um and then this the pregnant woman who was in this constant pain Alana who just like you know even these things that should be wonderful like being pregnant have been awful and terrible and sad and and just like unbearable for her in recent weeks and months and so um a stalled hurricane on the beach that will eventually lift hurricanes do eventually go away but sometimes they they get stuck where they are mm-hmm. and and make everybody's lives miserable you know that's a good one yay it's a really good one <laughs> i feel i feel like i've I've won something by oh, yeah. being able to come up with one. <laughs> yes, you're my MVP. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> All right, what's yours? <laughs> so it's non-specific directions to the beach. I can't decide if I want it to be GPS or just vocal. So like, cool, you're off the 34th Street exit to the beach to the left of the trash can. But that's not actually helpful. Like, drop a pin or send me pictures of the things that's around you, like big umbrellas or something. There's just, like, an awkwardness of not communicating, and it just ends not well, mostly. Just, like, sand is hard enough to walk in, especially if it's soft sand, and you're just like, where is this one tropical towel that I'm supposed to be looking for? Like, this brown hair person that I know. (laughs) I actually really like that. (laughs) Thank you. That works quite well. Thank you. So Stephen and Elena are not communicating about their relationship, mostly Stephen, but not communicating. Kenny isn't telling anyone how much pain he's in, and his mom is trying to help, but not any way that's actually useful. And of course, the non-communication when it comes to Betsy. Yep. Yeah. Nope. That works out really well. I like it. Good job. Thank you very much. You too. Wow. So I hope that the bad directions don't come at the same time as the hurricane, but. Yeah, no, that would be um, not ideal. No, not at all. Not at all. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on all social media. And you can follow me at Sick Kid Chemist on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show, and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash bhabpodcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 4, Episode 5. They are all available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. 
Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let me go find a schnorf for you. Schnorf!